Welcome to Queer Narratives Beirut, a podcast about gender and sexual diversity in Lebanon's capital. You're listening to episode 7, In Print, with Moab Duni and Charlie, produced by Kate Gordon. So I'm sitting here today with uh, Charlie and Mohamed Abdouni from Cold Cuts, uh, the two co-founders of the publication. Um, we are on the edge of Badaro, which is a neighborhood in Beirut, in Lebanon. And uh, we're in the office of Mohamed and uh, we're in the office of Cold Cuts. And uh, we're here to discuss the publication and uh, a little bit about the films that have been made in conjunction with the publication. And uh, I'll let them introduce themselves now. Uh, my name is Mohamed Abdouni. I'm editor-in-chief and creative director of Cold Cuts magazine. I'm also a photographer and would like to call myself a filmmaker. Um, and cold cuts of course as of late hey everyone my name is charlie i'm the visual consultant of cold cuts magazine um i also work in fashion i'm the head designer for a brand here in lebanon um i moved here about six years ago from new york um and yeah it's been fun so i met Muhammad about actually when i first moved here and uh, at that time he had a previous publication um and he was looking for a fashion editor and so I was looking for a job as well at the, same, at the time. So we ended up working together, and we slowly became friends. Um, afterwards, that publication closed down. Uh, but we still had a dream, and uh, we decided to start Cold Cuts. Actually, it's, he's the brains behind it. I'm just, you know. The beauty. I'm the, I'm the beauty <laughs> behind the face. He's the, he's the brains behind it. He does all the everything, actually. Um, and I'm... A big support system, um, visual, visually. Like, I'm I'm obviously the best friend as well, so that comes in handy uh, as a support system, and um, you know I help out with the magazine visually and. You Anna Wintour. I Anna Wintour the shit out of this magazine, basically. <laughs> um, so I started I started Cold Cuts about well Cold Cuts launched its first issue in November. And we had November twenty seventeen. November twenty seventeen. Yes, thank you. See, you do help out. Yes, I'd like to hear a little bit about um, kind of how Cold Cuts, like the origins of, of that particular idea, and how that kind of spawned from not only your past experience but also kind of the collaboration between both of you. Well, when 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 Cold Cuts first came about, when the idea first popped up and I talked to Charlie about it and we were like, okay, let's do this, let's get back into publishing, we didn't really know what it is exactly Cold Cuts really was. I mean, we didn't know whether it had a mission or not, or whether it had an aim. We knew it was a visual publication. Absolutely. We knew that. Yeah. Okay. We knew that text was going to take kind of like a backseat. Um, and we knew that we wanted to have fun with it and to not have a lot of rules not even editorially so we'd play around and I think that's why the first issue is a bit of a salad I really like that salad I think it's a super cool salad but it still is a bit all over the place um, but it, it works somehow that first issue really works somehow actually that somehow is in big part thanks to Tala Safiye Tala Safiye is our is 
our very good friend and uh, art director and designer of the publication. Um, and she kind of she kind of took everything that we worked on during those nine months and kind of made them make sense somehow. Um, well, so during those nine months, and the more the more material would, would kind of start flooding in, the more um, features we start working on. Charlie would Charlie and another person that we will we'll, uh, keep out of this kept taunting me about how at the end of the day, Cold Cuts was a queer magazine, and I was very I was very uh, how do you say like I was very um, well I deny it anyway. Point is, I'd be like, no, it's not a queer. I mean, it has a lot of queer features, but it's I want to pigeonhole it into being a queer publication, because again, that automatically would have given it an editorial guideline that is very specific. Yeah, and you guys were yeah. Kind of free we exactly that's what we wanted. But it's funny because the work that we were collecting and the work that we were working on is coming from two queer people, you know. So it was kind of like. Um, it was automatic. It was automatic. Yeah, something that kind of natural. Yeah, it was natural. Happens. Like the things that we are attracted to, the the the, the things that were uh, the that visually that we entice us, yeah. you know, were things like that. Yeah. So, um, so it kind of just happened naturally. And then I, every time we would look at the content, I would just nudge him out, and I would joke around and be like, "You know, it's a queer publication, right?" <laughs> and he's like, "No, I don't want to like pigeonhole. Like, I want to have, you know, I want to play around. Right, I want to have right. a whole." playground to play around with and uh but at the end of the day it boiled down to that like the yeah. content so was once very you made the decision that yeah. um, kind of that acknowledgement that it was a queer publication yeah. uh what do you think that the how do you think cold cuts developed after that particular moment well the thing is i didn't really want to give it an identity i wanted it to kind of be like a little baby and develop its own identity with time and that's why we i didn't i didn't really want to give it guidelines or rules or and like anything very specific to its identity and that's still the case right and so I sort of feel that also with this particular publication that it's uh, it's you guys and it's your you know it's the team but it's also people who contribute right the photographers and the Absolutely. people who are photographing I mean because all of that contributes to again this kind of natural development um, and so I feel like you know in the next issue this will also be something that will develop into something completely different um, from what is already in place. But I'd like to talk a little bit about, so the structure of cold cuts and kind of, um, you talked about how it's a visual photo journal. Um, for our listeners who maybe don't know cold cuts, um, just kind of discuss like, you know, just tell us a little bit about what it is and, uh, and what we can kind of expect. Well, it's definitely visual. It focuses on photography mostly, but that doesn't mean that. I mean, in the first issue, we had uh, an illustrator, Matisse Dovier, who contributed as well with, with beautiful images and uh, animated content for the online platforms. Uh, but the main focus visually is photography. And it has contributions from a lot of different photographers that are, were either already friends of ours that we really enjoyed working with or new friends and new acquaintances that we made yeah. everywhere in the world really yeah um, and it just so happened that most of these people were actually part of queer culture globally yeah so and we'd just be so what are, what are some of the places that you guys uh, that these people are so? we've had I mean the first issue we've had a photographer from China for example mm. um, we've also had 
We've Paris. also worked with yeah Paris, obviously Lebanon, Egypt, New York, New York. We worked with um, stylists from Brazil. We worked with a Spanish photographer. It really, it really, I mean, it really, really was the first issue was a melting pot of like just different queer cultures from around the world. Yeah. Um, and the second issue is maybe just a little bit more organized of a mess when it comes to that, and it's just it's 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 a bit more guided in a sense so where i'm kind of potty training if that's <laughs> well i think it's interesting too because you guys you know you're coming from a background of growing up in beirut yeah and so i think your identification with what it means to be Lebanese or what it means to be arab versus like your identification with what that means i think those are very different um and i think particularly the fact that you know you guys grew up in completely different contexts and yeah so even your two personalities speaking into publication. Well, it's, it's funny because, no. yeah, it's funny because even though I was raised in America, I was raised in an extremely Lebanese family. Mm-hmm. So it's as if I was raised here, but in an environment that's not in Lebanon. Right. You know what I mean? So right. it's like, so it was, it was a, it was a great um, combination of both of us together. Right. Um, because he's lived here all his life and he knows the ins and outs of everything here. Mm-hmm. And I know it from my family. Right. You know, so um, so I think that that together that plays a huge part. That plays a huge part, yeah. Because right, right. you also can get like a little bit of a, a little bit of everything. I guess the heart of this idea of yeah. right, it's not to, what does it mean to be Lebanese and to be queer. It's yeah. like what does it mean to be one or both, or you know, and and it gets at the heart of this idea that like it's not always about trying to create a narrative of you know this is queerness in the Middle East, but rather like how it. Could yeah, yeah exactly. Because I was a queer Arab in America, right. so like that, on its own, like I'm, I'm at that time I didn't even think that existed until I moved to New York and I met more queer Arabs mm-hmm. there, and um, you know, so now I have a connection of, of queer Arabs in New York, and you know, and he knows, you know, queer Arabs here, mm-hmm. and um, so it was just, it's that it's like we just. We work really well together when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to ask a little bit about uh, this idea of um, of this question of, of sort of voice and, and being able to kind of represent a particular narrative. Um, at one point in time, uh, Mohammed and I had talked about the fact that it can be difficult now, especially in, in Beirut uh, specifically, to kind of you know distinguish between media that wants to portray a particular narrative for the queer community, right? As yeah. opposed to the queer community portraying its own narrative. Yeah. So what do you, how do you see the role of both that's in kind of allowing you guys to uh, sort of frame your, your own reality? Well, I, th- I think being a part of a community and telling our own story, we have a di- completely different perspective of it because we're in it rather than someone that's m- maybe from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. You have the knowledge, you have the culture, yeah. you have the background, you have the yeah, history. Yeah. 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 And we see it, like we live it every day, you know, like all our friends and like our community that we've built here, it's like, it's amazing. And we would like to kind of tell our own story in that way. That because it's, it's automatically a bit more truthful and a bit more backed up with, with the knowledge of, of how it really is. It, it, it tends to become a bit difficult when someone who's someone who's 
flying in for, for an interview or flying in to just document the scene. Especially that now, I mean, without, we don't really need to beat around the bush. Queer, Arab, whatever you say, queer, Arab, that's kind of like the sexiest thing to any media source out there. It's like the hot topic of the season. Everyone wants to jump on board and it is just, at one point, this becomes a little too exploitative yeah for my personal taste and i know yours yeah uh especially when we are a community that is perfectly able of telling its own stories like you said and, and we we are at no lack of good journalists good yeah. photographers good filmmakers good anything mm-hmm. and also i think it's a matter of trust yeah of um course. because for instance if you're gonna like uh showcase or interview someone from queer culture in Beirutur in the Arab region but you're not from that region let's say um, you know we don't really know like how they're going to edit the, this or how they're going to take this piece of information and what they're going to do with it because at the end of the day it's all about ratings it's all about a certain angle that they'd like to portray because well that's the angle that's going to get you the most clicks or get you the most reads or get you the most whatever and, and we've experienced that firsthand. where I, both, I yeah. can already give you an example like about two months ago I had someone that wanted to do an interview and I sat down we both sat down yeah. with both of us and uh, we sat down and like the first words out of his mouth was um, the issue that we're uh, releasing is about drama and I want to hear drama Basically, like that's literally what they said. And Let's I was, just say he wasn't the most was eloquent. Reporter. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, you know, nothing against him. You know, but maybe it's that it came from the from the publication he was writing for. But it kind of made me feel not very good. To it's be honest, cringe-worthy. it was cringy because it was like, wait a second. So you want me to tell you about um, all the struggle, but not all of the like. And using the term drama, maybe. I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're, maybe we're just taking this like one specific situation but it actually it is a general broader feel of just like sitting down well in the past I mean I, I don't really do that anymore as often yeah uh, but, but just like the sitting down and kind of feeding someone else's agenda with your own stories that you have no control about how they're going to be portrayed told shown um, is, is just not something I'm I would like to take part in anymore and I'm, I, and you you can which I'm very happy about you can start seeing that within the culture more and more and within our community and you see more people kind of taking a step back towards foreign media when it comes to that and, and using their own platforms whether small or big to kind of tell their own stories even if that platform is as as, as smaller and significant as their own Instagram account they're using that yeah and I, I find that yeah exactly. absolutely I mean any anyone can be a celebrity these days mm-hmm. you know anyone can get their names out there and do stuff you know just absolutely. post a picture on Instagram or, yeah. I know. mean on one hand it's a double edged sword right? it is because a double edged sword absolutely gets sensationalized yeah. and I think there is an effort to sort of sensationalize yeah. you know the trials and tribulations of being queer in the Arab world or yeah. being abroad being in the States being in Europe wherever and facing this kind of what yeah. people see as a dichotomy, right? Yeah. Which is not something that can coexist. And I think what, you know, something like Cold Cuts does and what you guys are doing in your various projects and everything 
is I think it kind of says, look, this is not something that's mutually exclusive. It's yeah. something that is multifaceted and can really exactly. you know, coexist. Yeah. And, and it's they, not they only through Cocats that, that we're doing that. So, so for example, we're working with other with other news sources as well, foreign mm-hmm. news. The same foreign sources that have, have created stories in the past about the LGBTQ community in Beirut that maybe weren't very truthful, maybe were kind of faulty. And we work with them on telling our, on, 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 tell, on, on kind of creating stories from within the community and telling it ourselves. So we work with people like Washington Post, Huffington Post, Huffley, mm-hmm. to kind of like, Again, tell our own stories, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also, um, you know, they really want to hear a struggle. You know, they like a struggle for them is it sells. You know, people want to read that. You know, whereas I think what we're trying to do is obviously, I mean, there's a struggle here, obviously. It's sexier to see a sad drag queen than to see a happy. Drag queen. Yeah, basically. But like, um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to celebrate. You know what we have rather than just showcase the struggle mm-hmm. you know because obviously we struggle but at the same time there's so many other beautiful things that we're doing and we're creating here in this in this community uh Anyanese is a drag queen in beirut she's she's the drag queen in beirut and she so happens to be one of my best friends don't get jealous so last year basically i um, we just i i just got this random idea of just spending an entire weekend with her while she was preparing for a show and just have my camera on for no really specific reason or I just I just wanted to just document that weekend basically and um, and we did and there was it was literally just me and my very small camera and no light no sound no one on set no crew no nothing and I just followed her around throughout the whole weekend. Eventually, looked at the footage and were like, "Okay, let's make let's make a short documentary out of this." And that's when amazing people came on board. Natalie uh, Bez, uh, who edited it, who who is someone I love. She's like a little. She's like my little sister. Aloof, uh, who worked on sound and music. Bilal Hibli who worked on the color grading I feel like I'm giving like an Oscar speech like thank you for that's everyone. what it sounds like <laughs> um, uh, but yeah and uh, yeah and we decided to launch it on Cold Cuts on the Cold Cuts online platform which mm-hmm. is uh, an online short film platform and um, you currently have two films yes so Anya Anya which is a short documentary and a music video for Cabrit Cabrit which is a it's a queer band from both Yemen and Berlin. Mm-hmm. So it's it's two boys, one of them is Yemeni and the other is German, and they're adorable boys. And we did this music video and had also one of my oldest friends, actually, we grew up together. Her name is Yumna Marwan, who's also a fantastic actress. And this was also a very fun weekend project as well, where we went out, we went up to a mountain house that a friend of mine owns and uh, just basically shot it there. I think everything Cold Cuts is very <laughs> very fun and natural rather than really hard work. And right, right, right. And we had discussed previously this kind of idea of the, the home video and, yeah. and uh, this kind of, you know, you kind of reconnecting with uh, 
the a bit of nostalgia for a particular mode of, of you know visual representation, which is that you know childhood uh, yeah. home video, and how that in one sense you didn't really, I mean, you kind of inadvertently used it in the uh, films. Is that correct, or you kind of? Maybe. I, to a I mean, when it came to Anya, it was it was I was actually actively trying to make it feel as little as a home video as possible. I was trying to be as like as professional as possible, get the right frames and mm -hmm. like especially that it was the first time I ever really hold a camera and, and mm -hmm. well shoot I mean quote unquote shoot a short documentary um, on my own. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was trying to have it look as like sleek as possible and even though it was impossible. So I wasn't trying to really go for a home video feel. I'm saddened right now that you think it feels like a home video. <laughs> <laughs> We've already talked about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but when it comes to the Gabriel music video, it was, it was actually a lot of inspirations. I, I decided to take a very different approach for that. What we did was, it was a very small crew and the actress from there, and we went up to the, to the house with no treatment in mind. Um, no storyline, no idea of what we were going to do, and they were panicking their shit, actually, and, and um, I remember getting constantly asked, like, you sure we don't know what we're doing yet? Yeah, like, and then we went up, and we went up for two days, had a beautiful feast the first night, and basically just threw a lot of ideas around, and there was a lot of, I mean, it wasn't just the home video inspiration, a lot of it came from, from early 2000s music videos, Maybe it's not very apparent in the final product, but that was that was a lot of what we were discussing. We were discussing like old Destiny's Child's music videos, Lenny Kravitz again, yeah. which which is kind of how we went into the home home video feel. But at the same time, we wanted nothing retro about it, so there was no effects put on it that made it look like VHS. So it was just it ended up looking like a very modern home video. It was yeah. like, like with a phone camera. Yeah, like yeah. with a phone camera yeah. kind of thing, which is which I love. I love that entire aesthetic, actually. So. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about uh, I think the two the two films is that one was you kind of setting out to say like, look, I just want to kind of keep a record of of this person that I admire and kind of the process that she goes through when she's preparing for a show and everything. And it kind of ended up being actually a very well developed film. Now see, now you're fixing it up. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I think almost everything we do in regards to the queer, to queer culture in the Arab world, specifically in Beirut, is kind of just to create some sort of archived history for future queer Arab generations to kind of just Absolutely. look at and go like, oh, okay, so we're here because this and this person existed, because this event happened at one point in time, because exactly. these people did that, because whether they're whether whether the people that that we try documenting and archiving are performers or activists or, or, or your regular CEO at a company it's mm -hmm. just people that are making change right now future and have been for yeah, years actually not just years. now like mm -hmm. we have people that we also want to showcase and, and collaborate with that have been around before I moved here before you know like 10-15 years ago that mm -hmm. they've been fighting the fight you know yeah. and they need they need they, there needs to be light to, to be shed on them. And so that's kind of where we want to come in because we want generations 20, 30 years from now to look back and say, oh my God, hey, we had we're this here people. We were here, this. we existed, mm -hmm. and we are here now because of, because of these people. Yeah. 
um, where these events or these happenings. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I feel like we really lack at this point. Us as a community lack archived history from what happened before us, mm -hmm. and therefore have have less knowledge about what happened before us. And I think what, what we very humbly try to do or are trying to do right now is create archival footage for future generations so that they don't get to be in the same position we're in now where we're like, oh, we have like three pieces of archives in, 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 in relation to yeah. our own era queer history. They're not even footage as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's photographs, it's, exactly. you know, yeah. texts. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's, you guys really are... are it's history in the making, I say. Yeah. In a way, I mean, it We're is. trying. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess my last uh, question for you guys is, say, you know, what is the future of Polkas and, and where do we see this going and what do you guys sort of envision for this particular publication? I really wouldn't know how to answer that. I mean, right now, it, it happens to be a biannual photo journal exploring the culture <laughs> in the Middle East. We and get, we get the tagline. Yeah. Got a few times in there. Yeah. Make sure you got it. Available on iTunes. Available on iTunes, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I really don't know. I really do want it to grow on its own, to develop its own personality, to, to change when it wants to, mm -hmm. go back to its roots when it wants to. So, uh, everybody can find Cold Cuts online. They have a beautiful website. And uh, you can check out the films on their website and also on YouTube. And uh, the next publication will come out uh, in August, September. Okay, so August, August, uh, September of 2018. Yes. Okay, fantastic. So Again, if you do help. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for all the favorite listeners, you can find cold cuts. Uh, where where can we find cold cuts? You can order your copy online through the website or through Bookwiki, and you can go down yourself and get it from different stockists such as Paper Cup or the Beirut Art Center. Perfect. Alright, thanks for so much for talking to me today, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for having me here in your lovely office in Philadelphia. Let's go get drunk. Yeah. The special thanks to Mo Abdoumi, Charlie, and Kate Gordon. Share your narrative. Email queernarrativesbeirut at gmail.com with your written or phone recorded stories, and we'll publish them on our website. Anonymity guaranteed. Queer Narratives Beirut is a collaboratively produced word-of-mouth podcast made with support from Mansion and The Outpost magazine and produced alongside the Radio Mansion project in June 2018, supported by Chase Consortium. Share your stories and find out more at queernarrativesbeirut.com. <laughs>